1: Hello and welcome to the Career Confidant. We're glad you are here today and you're going to be glad that you're here today because today we have a guest, Matthew Arzell, who is going to be talking about how we maximize the experience section in our resumes. And Matthew, when you sent me this this idea for the show, I was excited because as we know, the competition and the amount of resumes going into every position has increased considerably since COVID hit. And so we know that our clients really need to have the most effective experience section. So thank you for joining me. I'm glad to have you here today.
2: And thank you for the opportunity. I'm very excited to share some insights with the audience. So Hopefully something sticks and we can help some people you know, improve their marketing tools.
1: Yes, and you have a background in HR. So you uh, ha- have a background in HR and now you've been writing resumes. How long have you been writing resumes?
2: So full-time it's been about 10 years, a little over 10 years. I uh, And as, as uh, the recruiters in the audience know, you know you kind of do it as, as another uh, uh, task in, in your day-to-day as a recruiter. So, um, you know, all in all about 15 years, but as a main focus for the past uh, 10 plus years.
1: Okay. And I just learned that you have a two-year-old. I also have a two-year-old, so we won't make a show about two-year-olds, but it's always fun to find something new that you have in common with someone. I am um, excited to talk about what people need to do differently in the experience section of their resumes. And they probably have heard not to use duties, but instead to use accomplishments. Can you elaborate on that a little bit further for us? What's the difference and, and how does that sound?
2: Absolutely. So a duty, in a sense, uh, you know, when you have a job description out there online and you're, um, you know, kind of looking and, and vetting roles that you might be uh Uh, you know, a fit for, a lot of times they'll just list the duties on those job descriptions. They'll just say, hey, you're going to drive and pick up this item and drop it off and keep doing that all day. And so on your resume, it's a little bland. You know, you you don't want to just talk about how you, you know, uh, uh, take deliveries back and forth all day and you mind your safety and that kind of thing. That's good. You know, it, it tells them what you're doing, but everyone essentially understands what you're going to be going to be doing in a role anyway, regardless just because they see a title so if they see warehouse manager, they know you're managing a warehouse and everything that that entails they want more. what have you done to make that warehouse function and have have great throughput or productivity or waste reduction great uh, waste reduction numbers or or uh, you know great customer satisfaction non time delivery numbers like so there's so many things that go into every role that you can essentially tie into a metric, regardless if you have a number or not. I need the audience to understand that, too, because a lot of people think metrics, they think numbers, they think uh, quantity. Exactly. If you have numbers, great. But sometimes you're not allowed to either put them on a resume because of confidentiality or sometimes you just don't have access to some of those things. So it's good to still try to make a sentence, mold your sentence by sprinkling into tasks so to speak kind of saying here's what i'm doing but what 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 result did you get from that and and how big of an impact and how uh, how much uh um you know accomplishments towards what you've been doing in that role will sit on the resume then so what what are your best things that you've done there and what what are the uh results by those best things that you did there you know what what, what did you do in terms of the quantifiable uh nature of things and Again, these quantifiers can be, you know, monetary related, maybe a time related, uh, uh, as I mentioned, reduction of waste or, um, you know, streamlining efficiency or, you know, and the list goes on and on. But uh, that's kind of the idea. Let's wow them by showing them an impact.
1: Yeah. And it takes it from, you know, the duty is what you were supposed to do (laughs) versus the accomplishment is what you actually did, right?
2: Yeah, <laughs> exactly, and and that and it makes it, uh, you know, you're more competitive because the your, uh, the job seekers you're going up against uh, are doing the right things. There's a lot of really sharp folks out there that know, hey, this is going to work a lot better if I if I make this bottom line kind of driven, you know, that bottom line impact. Uh, and a lot of times, and, and this goes pre-COVID, um, a lot of times employers were concerned about the bottom line. You were a number um not sure how things are going to kind of change or evolve from that just because of the circumstances i think a lot of people are kind of still wondering just kind of how corporations are going to operate and you know a little bit more maybe emphasis on the actual employee experience now because of of, of what happened but uh, regardless a lot of times if you're if you're not making the company money you're costing them money and and they you know they they want someone in there that's going to be doing the former so um, it's important to st- keep up with the competition and do the things that they're doing. And what they're doing is adding in beef into that experience section, the real good stuff. Because, again, everybody can, and can take a product from a to, a to B, but did they do it quicker than the next person? Or did they maybe retain a client that was upset at the previous driver and you salvaged the relationship and now you're making money for... The company because you retained a client that was fledgling, so just little nuances you got to think through of the process and, and where you where you fit in the overall uh, scheme of things and how to then make that kind of a quantifiable bottom line driven uh, statement.
1: Yeah, and you've got a formula that you use to help people put together these statements. Share that with us.
2: Yes, yeah, so and I'm not the inventor of the formula. You, you'll see a lot of this online. Uh, P A R Problem Action Result. And then there's a couple out there. Um, There's, you know, there's car and then I know Google has their own formula. You can look these up, but um, so there's a handful of formulas. I like problem action result Um, and it's pretty self-explanatory, you know, so you walk into a situation, what was the problem uh, of the situation? Um, What action did you take to, you know, rectify the problem and then what was the result in the, in the long run in the end game? So, um, sometimes you can eliminate the problem itself from this from the formula because sometimes maybe there wasn't a problem it's just your day-to-day so what did you do and what was the result and that is a great formula to use to kind of in a sense navigate the um, you know the, 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 to, to navigate your kind of your formula your um, uh, you know sense and structure so anytime you sit down and you take maybe you know say five uh really you know great things accomplishments you did or or even tasks if you can't quite think of the accomplishments and then use that formula to, to convert that task into a quantifiable statement uh, accomplishments based and uh, moreover a value based i like kind of preaching that these days is, is um you know the value is so important to these hiring managers and what you bring uh, whether it's you you know alleviating a pain point that they might have from having that opening um or You know, maybe you are coming into a project or a program that requires, um, you know, what you've been doing, what you're good at, and what value you bring. It it requires those, those credentials out of you and those resources you provide to be able to kind of, you know, whatever that they're trying to do, improve something or, or eliminate something or what have you. So, you know, think in terms of when you walk onto the job site, what value are you bringing? And then try to get that into the, into a, a sentence.
1: Yeah, and sometimes it helps to look at the job description or even someone's former job description and think, okay, those are the actions, right? And so now I've got to find, sometimes finding the why you did that, the problem or the challenge, Then helps identify what the outcome was because if you think okay this is why I did it then did I solve that problem did I achieve that that result that I needed from the beginning and then as you said we can decide how much of the problem we might want to share in the resume sometimes it's helpful to have that context if you know the company was struggling and had failing market share or something we might share some of that context in the resume so that we don't sound like every other salesperson that's hit 100% quota, right? <laughs> what made that different? What made that challenging? Uh, and then we can have that result in there to really show that value and, and putting all of those pieces together. So when we're putting these into our experience section, one of the big questions that people always ask is how far back in my work history should I go? What, what are there, What are your thoughts on that?
2: It's interesting because, uh, the old, the old adage is 10 years, right? So the relevancy and relevancy is what can you do for me now? And that's in anything you see that in pro sports, even, I mean, that's kind of a, a, a term thrown around in, in the, in the sports world. What can you do for me now? So it applies still. And that's the problem where, you know, as much as some people really hold on to some really neat stuff they might have done in the nineties or prior, or even, you know, two thousands now, um, you, you, you really hate to break some of these people's hearts saying hey I'm sorry I know you had 20 years at IBM but no one's going to really care anymore and, and it's and but here's the thing now and and, and, and this is interesting because I've been uh, kind of doing a lot of this continuing education from a recruiter standpoint trying to really gain insights as to what more what what are some more trends and I've really noticed a lot of recruiters saying that it's, it's important to keep it relevant but some of the nice stuff that you might have done um, can still be left on there depending on what your target is and what kind of proficiencies you bring. Um, so my way of approaching it and, and I kinda write every resume from as most pragmatic as possible. If I don't have the hiring managers crinkling their foreheads when they're reading the resume, you know, you're halfway there on the battle. Now it's just a matter matter of matching up your skills and and, and, and you know kind of your credentials against what their mandates are for that role. So that that, that open requisition. So you know, keep it logical and pragmatic. If you are doing things that you know, hey, this isn't going to really, you know, uh, mucky any waters around, then you're probably going to have a decent resume, right? So, my way of approaching that is, if you are a person that, let's say, are coming from uh, uh, coming from a role and you're going into a career change, and you have some really good stuff that translates into this new career. Um, But it's from, you know, the old days. It's from maybe when you got out of school and you kind of left that passion, did something new, and now you want to go back to the passion. Um, the way I set it up is, you know, having a section where maybe it's called previous work history and leaving in maybe the title, the company, and uh, maybe the location, uh, maybe removing the date. Sometimes I'll just say previous work history, uh, 1990 through 2010, you know, and just then I'll just have the list of what their title was and their company and the location, because maybe that title is important uh, now um, to what you're going after. But, you know, again, it's just not the most recent title. And then what I'll do is I'll take some of that chunks of information from back then and the really good stuff. I mean, we're talking like, you know, be very selective because, again, you're messing with stuff from the 90s and the early 2000s, what have you. So take some really good meat from there and put it into like an accomplishment section and this thing will sit right above your experience and all it is is you know five to ten bullets even tens a little lengthy but again just depends and uh you know five maybe five ten bullets that are really great transferable contributions that you know the new role will will want to see and that way you're fleshing those kind of older things into the resume without making them have to go through two pages and looking at it at the very bottom uh at the end of the experience so just little techniques like that um that really speak towards you being a viable candidate in this role you're targeting because everything that sits on that resume talks about how you relate to that role you're targeting it's not stuff that's generalized or you know here's what i did and i don't care about what my target role is i'm just going to kind of throw it all on there no you want to be specific towards the role you're applying for because the the competition is doing that they are uh, they're they 're sending their their resumes to hiring managers hiring managers get excited when they see the same talk on the resume they, they see the same buzzwords they see the same kind of um, you know industry terminology like that or, that are whether they 're methodologies or technical stuff or whatever so they it excites them and, and that 's all you need is just them that go eh, bring him or her in for an interview and then your resume 's done its job it 's not supposed to get you the job just get you the interview so be pragmatic about it and don't waste the reader's time. Uh, I've been in um, hiring managers' rooms when I used to recruit, and it's the last thing they want to do. It's always at the end of the day, and they're always in a hurry. And so the recruiters are doing their best to be that gatekeeper, so they're not wasting the time of the hiring managers who are usually busy on their own projects. And this part of, you know, their 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 cap of the day is in, that they call HR or their hiring cap. It's the last one they want to put on because it's a lengthy process. They got a source. They got a vet, they got a pre-screen, and they got a background check. They got to make an offer. They got to go do negotiations. They got to do a, uh, you know, there, there are like ten steps of hiring, uh, not to mention the, the finalized training and actual work. And so, if you fall through the cracks and you are not a good employee, it costs them money and time. Now they got, now they got to go do this again, and they don't want to do that. So that's why it's such a rigorous yeah. process of getting a role. But yeah, know, just relate.
1: Yeah. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the trends that you're seeing in recruiting that our job seekers need to be aware of. So we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back in just a few minutes.
3: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
0: You are tuned into the Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today. Please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to marie at strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to the Career Confidant.
1: Welcome back to the Career Confidant. And today we're excited to have Matthew Warzel talking about resumes and how we make our resume stand out. So, Matt, we've just been talking about how accomplishments, exceed the value of duties and we really want to speak to that value that our employer is going to get from working with us and then you were talking about you know, how far back we go and you said that it depends on, on the employer, depends on how uh, the level maybe that our candidate is targeting I always tell people too that we don't want them to look 30 on their resume if they're 60 so there's got to be some fine line there that maybe the rule is 10 years but if you've got 35 years of, of work experience, that might feel like a, a little bit of uh, omission <laughs> when the hiring manager meets you um, over over Zoom. So we've been talking a little bit about that. And then share with us what you're seeing in terms of, of recruiting trends and what are your clients and, and your client companies seeing in the market today?
2: Sure. Well, and it definitely is a lot of influx with the candidacy numbers. Um you know, uh, I had a, uh, another webinar with some um, recruiters in the tech industry uh, and that had been sharing some of the, the trends they're seeing. And the number one takeaway I had was recruiters are becoming more personable in terms of access and correspondence because of how the world's kind of shrinking with social media and being able to find people pretty easy. So know that uh, a, you can access them a little bit easier nowadays than, say, maybe 15 years ago. But having said that, there's also a downside of the volume. So there's going a lot of people kind of, uh, you know, uh, reaching out to them. And so recruiters are going to be selective in terms of who they're going to respond back, just purely for the time's sake. And I'm finding the biggest trend that they're saying right now is that if someone approaches them with, with being in being very genuine, they're going to have a easier time to get access and and actual correspondence back but having said that it's tricky because you know with with being genuine it also means that you're not concerned with just asking them for a job or you know how do you get the job so it's it's kind of this whole don't be about you be about them mentality and offer them little and, and i might go off the rails a little bit here but you know just trying to kind of keep the flow of conversation going, but offer them a little bit of value in terms of what, what can you do for them that might not necessarily be about you and getting a job with their company, but maybe you, um, access, you know, uh, uh, other people that, you know, would be a good fit for them in other type of roles, or maybe there's industry news that they were unaware of that you can might, you know, kind of share with them or let them know. Hey, I didn't know if you saw this news that kind of appeals to you at your company, you know, whatever. So, um, the biggest thing I would say is if, and if you are cold messaging, you know, two to three times, if no response, just move on. That's kind of the rule of thought, uh, the rule, you know, the number um, of how many times. I mean, it's okay. You don't just wanna want to want to done it and and hope that they get back to you. You know, make sure, you know, press them a little bit, but just be, be nice uh, and, and be mindful because again, there are recruiter blacklists and there are applicant tracking systems that track all your conversations with people at the company. So they'll record when you do apply or when you do call in or, or message, whatever. So Uh, It's important not to be the person that uh, gets on this blacklist. Um, And I've seen it firsthand from other people. Um, But um, so I would say if you do reach out, you know, maybe say something like, you know, I see we share a mutual connection. So I'm reaching out with the hope of getting help, you know, breaking into your, you know, supply chain department, making a big transition out of, um, you know, whatever type of role you're doing. Let's say supply chain manager, inventory manager. Um, you could say, you know, at a, at a remarkable time kind of thing, make a little kind of like, you know, everyone's kind of dealing with it because it's, uh, obviously what's happening here with, with, with worldwide. Um, and you say, say, hey, so I'd love to hear what, what life is like for you at, at the, uh, um, you know, X, Y, Z company and how you found success there. And it essentially, um, and you thank them for your time, send it, say your name and maybe a, a hyperlink of your URL, uh, for your uh, LinkedIn profile. Uh, maybe like a Bitly hyperlink. And essentially, you're just saying, you know, it's showing action. It's simple and brief. It's not hard to read. There's no real big words. It shows that you looked at their profile, and you're asking them to talk about themselves. And they love doing that. People love talking about themselves or their company. And um, it, it shows a little, bit, a little bit about what you're looking for, but without being desperate. You're not just saying, here's my resume. Please read it, and let me know if I can get an interview. You know, you're not kind of... Um, being a, a, let's say, a kind of a typical mindset of what you would think you should do when you're reaching out to a recruiter. You don't want to do that. So, um, you know, it's, it's inoffensive. It calls out the weird times we're in, like I said, Um, ends with a little bit of soft sell with your LinkedIn profile. And and maybe you could say something like, you know, would love to connect. Um, And then, um, again, it's asking for help, but trying to build a relationship without being annoying. Uh, And you're not sending any attachments or anything. So, it's essentially a good little backdoor way of LinkedIn that you're trying to open a conversation and a connection that you can kind of build a network with to cultivate that relationship over time that might help you then facilitate some sort of move with the company. Again, you, you can't expect this to be overnight success. Job hunting sometimes takes months. I remember my one role took me you know, almost half a year to finalize um, as a recruiter, but it, it, there are just circumstances that are all over the board and recruiter and recruiter personalities and hire manager personalities are all over the board. So be patient, but know if you start planting seeds at your targeted companies, then things can start to sprout if if you know how to massage that relationship.
1: Yeah, and you always wanna think about kind of being human, right? What would you say if you met this person at a networking event? How would you strike up the conversation? You know, very interested in, in your company, love to learn more about what they do. Perhaps I can help you connect to some folks that would be a good fit for the roles, right? So it's not all about me, it's how could I help you? And then you start that, that conversation. Um, you know, you wouldn't walk up to someone at a networking event and shove their business card or resume in their hand. So we wanna be careful about how we approach that cold on, on LinkedIn as well. As you're saying, it's more of that conversation, relationship, how can I connect with this person um, and see if it would be a good fit, right? I don't even know if this company would be a good fit. This is an opportunity for me to connect with someone who might be able to illuminate more about the company.
2: Exactly, exactly. And, and, and it works all around because if you are, again, showing that you are going to be someone that can provide insights or value, what have you, they might tap on you later on for other things you didn't even think of and opens up other opportunities. And, and again, it, it's just networking, um, you know, keeping dialogues, uh, keeping dialogue open, dialogue channels open, because if you're not doing anything, if you're inactive, um, idle hands obviously aren't going to do much and you're not going to see much traction with anything I mean regardless if you're trying to sell sell an item or, or get a job or whatever so action you know will create some reaction and that's the way to kind of if, if you want to work at Google well then you make it your business to, to figure out how to get into Google and there are books you could probably read and, and blogs about it and so be an expert in trying to get into Google I mean if that's what you really want to you know tenure as for your rest of your life you, you know do the work to try to, to, to try to get into something like that or or wherever um because a lot of times these big companies too you know it's no different than trying to be you know uh, you know be on the big screen or, or be a broadway star or whatever sometimes working at an apple is almost as hard as you know trying to be a professional sports athlete or whatever so you know people put in the time and the commitment to make sure that they are the best candidate the most viable candidate that that You know, that these recruiters would be, you know, they'd be remiss if they just didn't at least get you an interview. So you just want to make sure you're putting in the work because it'll pay off if if you keep planting the seeds.
1: Well, and that's a good point. So we are doing the research. And then the other thing that you can get out of these conversations with people who work there or recruiters are the pain points, the... Um, the accomplishments that are most important to them and then that circles back to our beginning conversation about making sure that you're speaking to that on the, the resume so it's not just can that person get me a job or not it's what can they add to my knowledge base so that I can improve my approach on the whole and when we have a bigger picture purpose for connecting with that person the conversation is going to go better than if we're just saying can you get me a job or not so i really enjoyed our conversation right. matt and i want to give you an opportunity to share with people how they can connect with you where can they learn more about you and and see your content
2: oh thank you for that marie i had a great time too yeah, absolutely if they uh, if you want to connect i always kind of uh, send everybody over to my blog it's uh jobstickers.com it's like potstickers but jobstickers and that's directly links to my website as well as my blog so um, and, and I post uh, pretty regularly I try to do at least one or two posts a day so feel free to follow and uh, stay up to date on anything any and everything job hunting
1: <laughs> excellent well I really enjoyed your expertise and and Such great information for people around their resumes, how to speak to their experience, and then reaching out to recruiters directly from a recruiter. And as you said, everyone's got a different personality. So some people aren't going to respond. Some people will. And we've got to keep moving, keep taking those actions. Any one last piece of advice that you would offer to the listeners today?
2: i it's kind of my tagline but like i mentioned if be pragmatic don't crinkle the foreheads of the readers <laughs> think logically everything you put on your resume matters and so every word should be care, carefully included or, or or at least make the efforts to ensure that that's the best word or choice of words you could possibly use because your resume is a one and done type deal or majority of the time maybe a couple of variations but So take the time it's not something you got to do every day it's a one and done take the time get it done right so then you can start using it to your advantage
1: yeah and thinking about every word on there strategically so important thank you for sharing matt and if you're listening you know that we're going to say goodbye to matt i'm going to come back and share a little bit more information with you take it a little deeper matt thank you again and we will be right back here on the career confidant
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
3: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
0: You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff.
1: Welcome back to the Career Confidant and we're glad that you're joining us here today. You've been learning about resume experience sections. I just wanna touch base on some of the important elements to make sure that this is easy for a recruiter to read. And Matt was just saying, Matt Warzell, Uh, was talking about how a recruiter needs to be able to read it quickly. They shouldn't be crinkling their brow. I love that expression. You know, it should be easy, flow easily, and not make them have to dig for it because guess what, they won't. And if they have to dig for it, you, you just won't get your resume read. So when you're thinking about that experience section, you do want it to be in reverse chronological order. And sometimes people will think, oh, I'm gonna pull up this older experience because it's more relevant. And that just confuses everyone. If you have older experience that's more relevant, as Matt was saying, you can pull some key accomplishments from that work and put it into an accomplishment section within your summary, so before your experience section. And really highlight what is it about that experience that is so relevant now. What make sure that it speaks directly to that employer pain i'm a big fan of keeping our bulleted lists to five maybe tops there's some research believe it or not people do research on everything there's some research that shows when we get to a list of six or so bullets the eye just says oh that's a big chunk that I'm not going to pay attention to. It is almost not any better than having a paragraph, which I don't like long paragraphs either. They kind of skim a little bit and then give up. So you want to have a short list of bullets, you know, three, four, maybe five, that are the highlighting those top accomplishments that could be from your older work experience. You don't want to move that older work experience up to the top of the resume because that's just going to confuse everyone. The other thing that you wanna do is take your most recent experience, which is what recruiters place the most value on, what have you been doing most recently, and do everything you can to translate it into the language of your future employer. So if you've been in, let's say you've been in administrative work and now you're gonna go to be an accountant, you wanna take everything that you did within that administrative position that also works for accounting and talk to those specific duties and accomplishments, and of course, as much as possible, duties within accomplishments. So, why were you doing it, and what was the result? you can sprinkle the the duties, the actions in there. And when you're looking at accounting job descriptions, you're going to see their desires, right? Their qualifications, what are they looking for? And you're thinking about, so in my most recent job, what have I done that speaks direct as directly as possible to those qualifications and to the results that this company is wanting this position to deliver? And when I can do that, when I can connect the dots, and I call it translating. I'm not a huge fan of the kind of transferable skills term because it seems to get defaulted into soft skills, you know, my transferable skills are, are all communication and those types of things a lot of times when people think about transferable skills. So I want to think about translating. How can you translate the experience from what you've done before into the language of the hiring managers that you're applying to now? And the more we can do that with our current experience, our most recent experience, the better off we will be because again, recruiters are gonna place the most value on that current role. Now if that role isn't particularly relevant, the other strategy that we have is using the space on the page. So just because it's your most recent position doesn't mean that it needs to be the most lengthy position on your resume you could take a job that you held for 10 years but isn't really that relevant break it down into you know a few bullets and then take a job that you held for 5 years but was really relevant to your current goal and make it take up more space and really flesh out those things that are relevant and in this way we can minimize that experience that isn't as relevant and maximize the experience that is more relevant without having to change the order of the jobs and and confuse everyone. So you're thinking about that future employer, what's most important to them, what language are they talking, and then how can we do everything that we can to speak forward, to speak towards what we want to go into, both in terms of industry as well as role. So if I'm working with someone who's in the insurance industry and they really want to get out of that insurance industry, I want to be careful about how frequently, if at all, I use insurance terms in the resume. Because that's going to say to the hiring manager, you know, hey, this person is an insurance salesperson. And I don't want the hiring manager to see an insurance salesperson. I want the hiring manager to see a salesperson who could be successful in whatever industry it is that they're applying to. And if I can get in some specific keywords about that new industry, great. If I can't, I just want to make sure I don't make them look like they belong in a different industry by using those terms over and over throughout their resume. So when we're thinking about Making that connection and really formatting, you if you will, that experience section. Everything is focused on making the most relevant information draw the eye. The space on the page, what we tend what we choose to bullet, so we want to bullet those accomplishments that are really going to differentiate our client versus bulleting, you know, the the duties that we might feel like we have to put in there. As Matt was talking about, we want to limit those as much as possible anyways, and really focus on the specific actions that our client took and the specific value that those actions had to the company. So when we're going through our experience sections, there are specific information that we need in each job, right? You need the title. And this title needs to reflect your job at that company. Does it have to be the specific title that HR gave to you? That's really up to you and your conversations with your former employers. If the title that you had was not reflective of what you do or what you did, you might wanna see if you can adjust that or use a more general title first then put a slash and put the more specific title. So, example of this is working with some HR people that have fancy titles, right? So maybe they're the director of fun. One of the companies that I worked with, that their HR, one of their HR people was the director of fun. Well, that might not be a representative title for them in the jobs that they want to target. In fact, it could even be perhaps negative. Um, for them if they're targeting a more senior role in HR. And so we might change that title to Director of Employee Relations, which was the more normal title for that role. And if they had talked to their employer and felt comfortable, they could just list Director of Employee Relations. If they felt uncomfortable with that, they could put Director of Employee Relations slash Director of Fun. It really depends on what is, what their relationship is with that employer, what their official job title might have been listed as, and if they have the opportunity to have a conversation with that employer to perhaps even change that if if they want to. Listing the job title correctly is very important because it impacts the applicant tracking system search, the LinkedIn profile search, and the human being search who's looking for, has this person held this role before? And if my title is so creative (laughs) that it doesn't show that I've held that title before, it's going to cause problems. It's going to make a mismatch in the system or in the human's brain, and it's gonna eliminate my client unnecessarily. So I wanna be careful of that and thoughtful about how I can translate even the title and and then move on. So I've got a title, I've got an employer, I've got dates, years. If I've been there for 2 plus years, years are fine. Some people like to include months. That's up to you. They're not necessary if you have longer term job uh, job engagements. And then you have some kind of description of the overall value that you've delivered with some duties and scope in there, and then the accomplishments of the specific value that you've delivered in that position. And when you build your experience sections that way and you're consistent throughout each experience section, the computer and the human knows where to look for what so that they can find what they're looking for. What was your title? Where were you at? What dates were you there, and what did you do, what did you deliver? Each job having that same format is good. Its consistency makes it easier for the eye to read. And then we can share your stories of accomplishment in whatever way it makes sense for you. Sometimes people are listing projects, sometimes they're listing those stories by uh, the type of job duty that it was. There's a great number of varieties that you can add in to highlight your specific accomplishments and bring attention to what you want to bring attention to without getting overly creative with the format. Even through most applicant tracking systems today, you could include some kind of graphic. So you could share sales results or a graphic that shows that you decreased waste or increased throughput if there are some of those quantifiable or or even just somewhat quantifiable pieces in your history you can use some graphics or even just a you know a word table to show that growth those things will not be read by an applicant tracking system but they will not prevent scoring in most applicant tracking systems And that's our thinking, is really how can we structure this so that it's easy to read and use the formatting to highlight the wows instead of getting so creative with the formatting that it's hard to find the information that I'm looking for. I did a session on infographic resumes with our Resume Writing Academy recently, and we went through some excellent infographic resumes that you can use and when you might use those, which in most cases is networking or maybe if you have a more creative position, but for most positions, your HR people need the dates, need the data, and then they want to have all that information easy to find. graphics can help with that and formatting can help with that we just want to use it pragmatically as matt was saying we're going to take a short break and when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about connecting with recruiters and getting that resume out into the hands it needs to be in we'll be right back in just a few minutes
3: the business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network
0: Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. We hear it and read about it every day in the news Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
3: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant.
1: Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today, we were talking with Matthew Barcel about how you can improve your resume results and it really comes down to being clear, concise, structured in a way that makes your experience easy to follow, not getting overly creative, especially on you know that application resume so that people can easily see what you've done, where you've done it, what value you've added and how that might connect to their position and their role, so translating that experience from whatever industry you're coming from to the industry that you're going into as much as possible, or at least making sure we're not including industry jargon that will make us feel like we are not a good fit in this new industry and in this new role. And as we were going through kind of the pieces of the experience section, one of the questions that Matthew and I discussed was how far do you go back? And this is one of the topics that's, you know, big debate. And we did a session on avoiding ageism in resumes about a year or so ago with the Resume Writing Academy, and really looking at those pieces of a resume that open our clients up to age discrimination. And how far you go back in a resume definitely matters. However, when we start to cut off too many years, it can eliminate pieces of information that are important, perhaps competitors that we worked for that our new hiring manager would love to hire someone from that company because they have that background knowledge, they have the industry knowledge, etc. And it can also make it feel like a little bit in a bait and switch um, and, you know, incongruent, not fully truthful. When I am 60 and I have 10 years on my resume, that makes me look 40. It's just a big gap. So I work with clients to find a middle ground that we might include 15 or even 20 years of experience for people who are, are experienced and are looking at roles that require a good deal of experience, how can we bridge that gap? And one of the strategies that Matthew gave, which was brilliant, is connecting that older experience in without the dates or perhaps kind of summarizing the dates so that they're not as apparent. And I'm always watching the kind of unwritten words here, the unwritten information that if I include a whole bunch of early experience without dates, it might actually make my client look older. So I'm Thinking about how can I condense that and share it in a way that doesn't make the problem worse while still getting in that information that I want to get in. Maybe technologies that they've worked for, competitor companies that they've worked with, or maybe a company they worked with a long time ago that now they're applying to again. How can we get that information in? Condensing it overarching statements, you know, career, early career history included or early career experience. I try not to use the word history. (laughs) Very few people like to read history, right, although I feel like we're getting a little bit more into it um, in our world today because we're realizing that history has some value in helping us from repeat mistakes. However, in our career, history is usually not a, a great word. So experience highlights something that shows this is an overall statement of my early career and then I can share the most important information there and bridge that gap so that it doesn't look like I am not sharing the full story about who I am. I also find that this type of approach, this more measured approach perhaps, feels better to us because it doesn't disregard so much of what we've spent our life's work doing. And that balance can bring us in a more healthy confidence instead of feeling like we have to dismiss so much of the rich experience that we bring to our work and to our life. So let's talk a little bit about reaching out cold to people on LinkedIn Uh, or Twitter. Actually, there's a lot of different ways that you can do this. And some platforms may even have a lower barrier to connection than LinkedIn, which of course is going to have us send that connection request before we can talk to the person. The emphasis there is that the first thing we're doing is sending a connection request. When you are sending that connection request, you wanna keep that message to be just that, a connection request. Hey, I saw that you work at such and such, I'm so intrigued by that company, I would love to connect here so that I can learn more. You wanna be specific without asking for a favor in that first message. So it's not, hey, I saw you worked at, at such and such, could you look at my resume or could you send my resume to HR for me or if it's a recruiter, you know, I saw you work at such and such and such, so I'd love to send you my resume. It's finding that way to connect before we are asking for a favor or sharing our resume, it helps me to think about what would I say to that person if I met them at a networking event, maybe I looked across the room and I said, oh, I've seen that person before, I know they work for such and such. What would I go up to them and say? And how can I mimic that as much as possible on LinkedIn to keep that human aspect of it and and to honor the fact that that person is a human, right? They're not just a robot that's there to accept my resume and pass it on. They are a person. They want to be treated like a person. They want want us to connect. And they know, of course, that we are looking at their company. We don't want to be overly, we don't want to hide that. So, you know, I am looking at this company. I'm interested to learn more. And we want to be a little bit discerning because if I'm going to reach out to them, I would hope that my goal is to learn about the company, see if it would be a good fit, learn more about the position, not necessarily just to apply. I could apply online. I don't need a person to help with that, right? If I want a person to help with that, let's think a little bit deeper about how they could help with that instead of just forwarding my application on or knowing that I've applied online. Those are all just surface-level outcomes from what could be a much more deep connection. And it is work. This is one of our struggles in all work, that finding work is work. Finding work is work, whether we're an independent person, whether we're uh, an employee or want to be an employee, finding that work is work. Making the connections seeing how we can build our network in a direction that would lead us to have ins, if you will, referrals to those, those opportunities. And one of the kind of conversations that I see going on on LinkedIn is around this idea of the hidden job market. And I've been thinking about this specifically as we've been getting ready to launch our section for this year of our hidden job market coach class so we have done a hidden job market coach class for the last four years and we do it once a year and as we've been getting ready to launch this next this class for this year i've been thinking about how people misunderstand what the hidden job market actually is the hidden job market isn't that positions aren't necessarily posted and you'll see it quoted as such you'll see see people post only 80 or no only 20 percent of positions are posted but the actual research doesn't state that the actual research states that only 20 percent of people are hired because they respond to a posted position or that only 20 percent of people found a job simply because they applied to an online position. The hidden job market really refers to the fact that when people apply, the hiring manager goes out and says, hey, does anybody know any of these people or does anybody know anyone who would be a good fit for this position? And the person who is often hired is the person who was a referral, the person that somebody knew before they applied to that position. And that is our goal with networking is to be that person that somebody knows when an application comes in, when that job is posted, somebody already knows me. And I've done that by being really specific about how I communicate, how I network, and building relationships that will help me. And of course, I'm always focused on helping others, but they're specifically designed to help me get known in the areas that I want to be known in within my industry. So we're going to keep talking about this topic and you know, find a, a certified hidden job market coach because they have information that can help you find work. You can go to careerthoughtleaders.com to find those folks and we will see you right here again next week on The Career Confidant.